This is Josh Reeves, and you're listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. Hey, have you ever noticed when you let something go, it works out? That's part of the spiritual practice of The Power of Surrender, written by Coop Blackson and coming to Mile High Church to speak on April 26th, in person or online. Learn more at milehighchurch.org. So grateful to continue our Back to Basics today. Today's topic from old to untold, revealing divine truths. In 1934, a young teenager who was homeless at the time got the opportunity to perform at the first ever amateur night at the Apollo. And her intention the whole time was to dance. And just before she went on stage, she decided to sing instead. And the star, Ella Fitzgerald, was born. Still known today as perhaps the greatest uh, vocalist of all time. And you have to pause and wonder, what if she never sang? She would still be loved and adored by her creator and the people that knew her, but she would have never realized her full potential. That choice to share her courageous gift unlocked a new reality for her. And I'm here to share with you today that you too have courageous gifts. Maybe you're not designed to be the next Ella Fitzgerald, but we all have these gifts that require a certain amount of courage to unearth and to bring forth. For you, it could be a kind of art, writing or painting, singing, It could be a way of communication, your ability to be assertive or intimate in communication and honoring someone else, your ability to call someone out on their stuff in a way that helps them, your ability to get over the vulnerability and share a deep caring for someone who's made an impact on your life. We all have these gifts And we are all called to embrace the courage to unearth and express them in our lives. I love something Elizabeth Gilbert said. She said, the universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. Um, Our teaching uh, is sometimes referred to as, as new thought. And how many people take that is that the charge of our teaching is to create new thoughts for yourself, new beliefs. Uh, And some people call us the religion of of positive thinking. And that process has sometimes been called magical thinking. And although there's a lot of truth in that for me, for me, that's a superficial understanding of the science of mind and spirit. It's not so much a religion of positive thinking, but of clarity of thinking. It's not about making up new thoughts. It's about realizing that there are deep truths, deep down truths in each and every one of us. And if we can find that little bit of courage, we can walk through the tissue paper thin walls of fear and live in our gifts. Live in your greatness. Live in your beauty. Live in your potential. And it's not 
the religion of warm and fuzzy woo-woo. It's a religion of courageous living. Because the only way you can unearth those deep down truths is you have to move through all of the layers of BS we have built around them. Your buried selves, we'll call it. (laughs) We have to confront the misthought, the negative beliefs, the negative stories that people have told us is true about ourselves that we bought into. Do you have any stories like this? It's those narratives, those false narratives that we use to imprison us, imprison ourselves in lives that lack meaning, intimacy, connection, and purpose. We all have lots of them. I have one I'll share with you. Um, If I disappoint you, you may not love me anymore. If I disappoint you, you may not love me anymore. So I will work very hard to not be who I am, but who I think you want me to be, my bad image of being a perfect person for you, so that I don't have to risk losing your love. And as a result of that, because I'm not being my true self, I can't truly receive or take in your love. And many, a relationship, at all different levels of relationship, has been damaged because of that fear of connection that can come from that fear that if I disappoint you, you may stop loving me. Anyone have a story like that? Does Josh got, he, he needs some help, this guy. <laughs> we all have those stories, and they, they wreak havoc in our lives. And the truth is, it's just like the past. We can't change those stories. We can recognize them, however, as chapters 3, 4, and 5 in our life journey and let those stories stay there. We cannot slip back into the old chapters, but we can turn a new page. It's not about writing a new chapter. It's about turning onto the page that God, spirit, divine life has in mind for you. If you could just let the old stories go and step into that profound living from your courageous gifts, which will transform and uplift your life. We do this in our tradition through spiritual practice, especially the practice today of affirmative prayer, where we unearth, discover, and admit our divine truths to ourselves and others. But it's not easy work because, again, we have to move through all the BS all the old so that we can move finally to the untold and reveal those divine truths. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, compares it to clear crystal drops of water being entered into a murky glass, symbolizing our consciousness. He says, even though there may be stored away in the subconscious many years of negative thinking along certain lines, this in no way need concern us. In fact, we do not even need to bother ourselves with what may or may not be there. What we need to do is to start today to make sure that the content of our conscious thought is good and think clearly and definitely about it. What occurs then is similar to drops of clear water falling into a glass of murky, inky water. Not much appears to have changed with the first drop. 
But slowly and surely, the water in the glass becomes clearer and clearer until it is clear as the drops that fall into it. He goes on to say, right thought constantly poured into consciousness will eventually purify it. Eventually. But as that clarity is coming in through our spiritual practice, the muck comes up. So if you're starting this spiritual living business uh, with the first realization of what a mess you are, welcome home, right? We, we can see all that. We struggle. The stuff comes up, but it's our old self. It's the recognition to realize that that's not the truth of who I am anymore. And we move through it and we unleash, we unearth, we bring forth those divine truths that we have allowed to stay hidden. We call them forth into our lives in an emphatic and powerful way. Uh, A great influence on me and my favorite artist is David Lynch. Anyone ever seen a really weird David Lynch movie before? Anyone feel like they're living in a very weird David Lynch movie at times? Uh, an incredible artist and a longtime meditator. Uh, and he uh, compares regular spiritual practice to having a beach ball consciousness versus a golf ball consciousness. He says, if you have a golf ball sized consciousness, when you read a book, you'll have a golf ball sized understanding. When you look out a window, a golf ball sized awareness. When you wake up in the morning, a golf ball-sized wakefulness, and as you go about your day, a golf ball-sized inner happiness. But if you can expand that consciousness, make it grow, then when you read that book, you'll have more understanding. When you look out, more awareness. When you wake up, more wakefulness. And as you go about your day, more inner happiness. Great. Wake up tomorrow and say, I have a beach ball-sized consciousness. Uh, Lynch wrote a book about 10 years ago called Catching the Big Fish, and it was about meditating uh, for artists who are wanting to get ideas. And he uses the analogy of of a fisherman who's fishing, and on the surface of the water, there's lots of little fish or little ideas just that run in the surface of our consciousness. But if you want to catch the really big fish, the real great ideas, you have to go deeper deeper and deeper. And that's what I want you to know about these divine truths. When we're doing our meditation or our prayer work, we first have to move through the surface, all of the stuff of our everyday mind. But if we're willing and courageous enough to hang in there, these deeper truths reveal themselves. Sometimes I like to call them your divine secrets. For me, there are three kinds of secrets. There are the secrets that you're entrusted with. One of the great gifts of living is when we have a high enough consciousness that we can behold someone's wholeness while they share with us a hurt or a negative mistake or experience or trauma. We, We hold that not just secret, but we hold it sacred for them. This is the work of the practitioner who, even when someone is at their most broken, we behold them in their wholeness and in their unity with all life. The second kind of secrets are our own secrets. They're our own hurts, mistakes, embarrassments, uncertainties, lack of faith. We all have them. 
And what I would say to you today is if you don't tell your secrets, your life will. There's no such thing as a secret that doesn't get told. So find that person you trust. See a practitioner today. And if you share that secret, you'll be beheld in that wholeness and you can experience healing. If you don't, it plays out in toxic relationships, in self-judgment and self-rejection. It shows up in, in feeding into that fear instead of embodying that courage that allows us to express our divine secret with others and with the world. In the Gospel of Thomas, which is a, a, a gospel that was written around the same time as the other gospels in the Holy Bible but wasn't included, there's a, a scene where Jesus uh, does a, the famous piece that's in the Synoptic Gospels as well, where he says, who do people say that I am? And one person answers, well, you are a great teacher. Some people say you're the Messiah. And Thomas says, Master, my words are fully incapable of saying that which you are like. And Jesus commends him and he takes him to the side and he whispers divine secrets in his ear. And when Thomas returns to the other disciples, they say, well, what did Jesus tell you? And he says, if I told you, you would stone me to death. So we can only infer that Jesus may have said something to Thomas, such as you and God are one. That's the greatest divine secret that there is. Not that you are God, but that you are one with that which created the universe and that which is the created in, creative in the universe. That our heart and our minds are not ours alone, but they belong to this creative power. And we can work together in the co-creation of love, of peace, of harmony in each and every one of our relationships, in our work, in our way of being in the world. The third type of secret is these divine secrets. It's that truth within you that we should allow to be hidden no more that we should live with greater clarity. And we might even call that practice of affirmative prayer is admitting divine secrets to ourselves. Can you admit to yourself how beautiful you really and truly are? Can you admit to yourself how hard you've worked at this thing called life? Can you admit to yourself, your inner wisdom, your inner light, your capability to be profoundly loving and to receive deep and gladdening love. Whenever I need uh, reminding during a work week here at Mile High Church, I go see my teachers, which are the students at our Children's Enrichment Center. Uh, it's a preschool we have here at, at Mile High Church. It, it's, uh, it's independent, and yet, uh, as you'll see, it, it expresses so much of what we teach here and what they do. And every morning, our assistant director there, Angela McLean, so grateful for her, she leads the morning salutation. And it's, 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 we'll show you the whole thing one day, but I just want you to see the piece of what these kids do and what happens here on a normal weekday morning here at Mile High Church. Yo soy fuerte. Yo soy 
soy una torreada. I'm so grateful that those kids don't need this sermon, right? <laughs> they don't need it yet because they're living that divine secret out loud. They know and are being nurtured in the truth of that. And so I'm so grateful to our teachers uh, who are with our kids. I'm so grateful that my kid uh, gets to know and embody the truth of who she is uh, now and doesn't have to keep it hidden. But can we admit those things to ourselves? Do we want to say we won't do the Spanish part, but we'll do the English part, okay? I am strong. I am, strong. I am, brave. I am brave. I am peaceful. I am, peaceful. I am a warrior. Admit it. Admit your divine truths to yourself. Stop projecting them outside of yourself or making them alien or abstract. But know that just by being authentically you, you will cut through the layers of the BS, the buried selves, and embody, embody that secret that you were meant to tell and be and embody and become in your life. Talking of a affirmative prayer today, I want to close in just sharing three rights or three challenges I have for you to move from a, a past old understanding of prayer to a more profound uh, revealing understanding of prayer. And the first is to move from seeing prayer as hospital to seeing prayer as gym. G-Y-M, seeing prayer as a spiritual gym. You know, right now, how many of us ever make prayer requests here at Mile High Church and fill those out? And like me, you may fall into the old consciousness of thinking, oh, it's like a hospital. If I'm doing really bad or there's a big tragedy or something really challenging is going on for my life, then I ask for prayer. Then I go and do it. It's different when we move to that consciousness of seeing affirmative prayer like a spiritual gym. Like you're going to do it five days a week, if not more. That prayer isn't just something to do when we really need help, but when we have an idea of what we want to co-create with our life, there's no greater tool to get to clarity than affirmative prayer. And if you can do it by yourself, but you can also utilize our incredible practitioners. We have a prayer request that you got handed out today. They're online on our watch page as well. And um, you can do this yourself. You can complete it and put it in the offering bins. You can just walk it up to one of our practitioners. But consider making this kind of prayer a daily part of your 2024. You write your name, your email, or your phone number if you want to be contacted, or don't. But you write, what is the current state of affairs? What is the current reality I'm experiencing in my life? Desired outcome. What is the highest and best you can envision taking place? What a good question. What qualities of spirit would you most like to um, embody? Peace, courage, prosperity, healing, forgiveness, whatever it may be. And then on the form, you can just check if you want to be emailed or called and given a prayer. You can check in with yourself and making sure you do it as well because we have our licensed practitioners, but we are all practitioners when it comes to that powerful practice of prayer, which is just speaking the truth just getting clear. And that's the second right of affirmative prayer is to move from secret to revelation. From secret to revelation. Prayer 
isn't just a ritual. It's a way of communicating clearly and profoundly what the truth is. As a minister, one of the coolest things I get to do is train our practitioners. And when people come into um, practitioner class, they're almost all always terrified of praying out loud. <laughs> am I supposed to sound like Dr. Patty? How am I supposed to sound like that? And, and of course, no one sounds like Dr. Patty, but you're, they're amazed when they do sound kind of close. And the shift that's so powerful to see is when the practitioner in training stops praying um, in the voice of a superficial practitioner that they are worried that they'll never be, but when it becomes their true voice. When you pray, you should be speaking in your true voice. It should be like hearing yourself for the first time. Prayer properly understood is the most intimate form of communication. We move into our heart. We admit the truth that we've been avoiding about ourselves. We remind ourselves the truth of our lives and we get back in alignment with it. God, I am here to love. God, I am not here for all of this other stuff. I'm here to embrace the true truth of who I am and to live it emphatically. I'm here to speak the truth that I know of others and to hold them to that. I am so grateful, God, to remember this truth and to profoundly commit to living it right here and right now. And so it is. Amen. It's just done. The more we pray, the more we find our true voice. And it moves us into this final rite where we move from prayer being in our own voice to hearing the voice of God. It's when we discover our own true voice that we can finally hear the voice of God. No, it may not be booming. Hey, Josh, don't forget to get gas. It's me, God. (laughs) When we find our true voice and we speak it, God's voice speaks to us through all of life through the beauty of nature, the richness of song, the harmony of relationship, the wisdom of understanding. The divine is speaking to you all of the time, but it's not until we learn to find that divine voice in us that we can begin to hear it and feel it and sense it and vibrate with it everywhere. Finally, to that beach ball that greater way of seeing and knowing is available to each of us if we simply are willing to let go of the old and allow through this practice of prayer just clear thinking, pure honesty with ourselves to allow our true voice to come forward and sing of the voice of spirit. As we move into a prayer today, I'm going to invite our incredible prayer practitioners to stand and join me who are here and uh, know that many of these folks are going to be right here in front of the stage and give yourself that gift of embracing spiritual truth and prayer as a practice for you this year. And in honor of Ernest Holmes, we'll begin our prayer with his words, saying, knowing that good alone is real, I know that there is one power which acts and reacts in my experience, in my body and in my thought. I know that God alone has power either to act or react Everything that I do, say, or think today shall be done, said, or thought from the spiritual viewpoint, 
that God, who is life, is in everything. I know that this recognition establishes the law of harmony in my experience, the law of prosperity, a sense of happiness, peace, health, and joy. Today, I hold communion with this invisible presence, which peoples the world with the manifestations of its life, its light, and its love. I withdraw the veil which hides my real self and draw close to the Spirit in everything and in everyone. I accept everything that belongs to the Spirit. I claim everything that partakes of its nature. So honoring this spiritual life for ourselves, let us also know it for our world as we pray today. So inspired by the prayer of Anastasia, I simply honor those who are able to remember the truth even in the midst of chaos. We bring our knowing of truth right here and right now to Ukraine, to Gaza, to Yemen, to places in our own country that may be experiencing immense chaos, loss. We as practitioners don't turn away from the facts, but we hold that truth that we human beings, when we uncover the truth of who we are, we are led to live in harmony, to live in peace, and to always hold that consciousness of hope and faith that our best days are now and ahead of us. Holding this consciousness for ourselves, for our loved ones in the world, we let it be, we let it become. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.